When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com NFL fans, welcome back to another episode of the Fans First Football Show. I am one of the regular hosts here, Jeff Hartman. You know me by now. You know this other guy, but not from this show because Rob Stats Guerrero is actually, he went to the Sunday night game in San Francisco, so he got to actually witness his very first NFL game. I'm excited to talk to him about that next week. But filling in, my buddy Wesley Coleman. What's up, Wesley? How are you? I'm really good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, y'all letting me fill in. I can't wait to hear about Rob's uh, time in San Francisco. Yeah, you got to see a pretty good game actually for for a 49ers. Well, well, yeah, for one for one team. <laughs> but we're gonna go through this slate of games like on Sunday, like we always do, and that is one by one. If you want to hear about Thursday night, sorry, don't have that for you. Monday night, not that either. Just Sunday games, and they started off early with another international series game. This was the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Buffalo Bills. I gotta be honest, I didn't watch much of this game. I caught the highlights. And I saw the score as it was going on through social media and other avenues. It's like, holy crap, the Jaguars are winning this game. It wasn't until a very late, about two minutes left in the game, Buffalo Bills touchdown that it even got as close as it was. Final score, Jaguars 25, Bills 20. Wesley, what is going on? Like the Bills go out and they look like they're world beaters and then they lose this game uh, overseas. Is it because it was overseas or is there more to it than this? I mean, I I did watch... uh hundred percent of the game and throughout most of it I just I, I kind of thought that the Jaguars were better in the first half because they've been in London for two weeks they yep. they went early before their last game they, and the Bills made what I think is a terrible decision to fly in on Friday yeah um, they, they went really late I just kind of thought that at some point in this game that the better team was gonna finally get adjusted and the Bills were gonna come out because it was a close game all the way through and the Bills just kind of like weren't firing on all cylinders. And I really thought that was going to be the, the difference in the game at some point. And it was just going to come out in the wash. And it just never did. Just the Jaguars kind of stayed ahead. Um, the Jaguars impressed me. They're better than I thought. But the Bills played pretty terrible. <laughs> and had quite a few injuries as well. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And I, I think Milano got hurt. And I'm not sure they extended that injury during the game. But it's one of those situations where it, it just you'll see this throughout the entire show. The ebb and flow of the NFL season, like it is literally week to week. You honestly, it just seems like with 90% of the teams, you'd have no idea what you're going to get every single week. Yeah, for sure. And it's been a crazy season like that. Here's what I'll say what the Bills did. The Bills, the game was really close, but I think the Bills went into freakout mode. They thought they were losing by worse than they were. So the Bills have 40 pass attempts and 14 rushes in the game. 
Now, to be fair, the 14 rushes, four of them were Josh Allen. Maybe not even supposed to be rushes. So there's yeah. a chance there that they have 44, 47, 48 rushes with once you get the sacks in there. Uh, I guess Josh Allen wasn't sacked, but maybe only 10 rushing calls. They had 29 rushing yards, 14 from Josh Allen, 13 from Damian Harris. You can't win a football game like that. No, that's not that's not a recipe to win. And something that will be interesting to look into, and I I don't know if you can actually pull up this data at all, if you even did a deep dive. You talked about the travel. You know, I remember in 2014, the Steelers traveled over to England to play the Minnesota Vikings, and they did what the Bills did. They waited till Friday. They wanted to keep it as regular as possible and then travel. And the players talked about being tired and kind of lethargic. The Vikings went over the whole week. They were there for the whole week to get acclimated. There's something to that. I think that's a good point. And the Jaguars win. Good win for them. They needed to get back on the winning streak uh, or to get on the back on the winning side uh, after, you know, an up and down start to the season. We'll put it that way. I was at this game at Tottenham last year. I've also been to a game at Wembley. You got to get over there early. It just, yeah. <laughs> my tailgating just wasn't the same. I wasn't on point for it. <laughs> you were not a peak tailgating was not at, not performance. <laughs> Should have gone over earlier. All right, let's go to the next game. It's a game I obviously watched every second of, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Baltimore Ravens. This final score was 17 to 10, but if you watch this game, there's no way in hell you would have some any way, shape, or form said, oh, yeah, it's going to finish 17-10, and it's not conventional. This was not a conventional 17 to 10 where there's touchdowns and field goals. There was a safety. There was dropped passes, blown uh, coaching decisions at the end of the half, um mistakes by the play I mean, it was it was ugly it was ugly to say the least but the Steelers find a way to win their first place in the AFC North at three and two heading into the, their bye week if you have friends that are Pittsburgh Steelers fans and you were following them on Twitter you would have thought the Steelers were losing this game by 30 and then I I, I did not get to watch much of this game at all and then I saw the final score and I actually texted you I'm like wait hold on y'all won like, yeah what what happened it's it's a great question. They could have been down twenty one to nothing at halftime, and if you think about like the decision, so John Harbaugh is facing a fourth and two in chip shot field goal range at the end of the first half, and it's a fourth and two, not a fourth and one, and it looks like they're trying to draw Pittsburgh offsides, and Tyler Linderbaum, the center for the Ravens, thinks that Quan Alexander is in the neutral zone and snaps the football, but he wasn't in the neutral zone. They don't really have a play drawn up. The play goes incomplete. They get no points at the end of the half. So they, they, it was fourth and two. Pittsburgh kneels it out. They get the ball to start the second half. And then you have this unbelievably horrible uh, fumble by Gunnar Olszewski to give the Ravens the ball in the red zone in the fourth quarter. You're thinking, this is the dagger. They score a touchdown. It's over. You're thinking at least they're getting a field goal. Lamar Jackson throws an interception to Joey Porter Jr. in the end zone, and everything just flips on its head. Like I said, there was a block punt that equated in a safety. Just... It was one of the oddest games, but that's Steelers Ravens. That's what you get. That's that's always what you get with Steelers Ravens. Yeah, I think the big thing that I was surprised is when I, I went look back and um, as far as rushing yards, I mean, this is a you know Ravens Steelers game. The Steelers mm -hmm. have eighty seven yards rushing. The, the Ravens get one twenty five, which sounds a little bit better, but uh, just not the the physical like at least no. it, resulting in rushing. I was really impressed. Uh, I saw TJ Watt had two tackles for loss. And my boy, Quan Alexander from LSU, had three tackles for loss. Mm -hmm. Huge, huge impact in the game. It sounds like Quan's actually uh, doing well for y'all. But uh, He's he's filling that role perfectly. I can't imagine this was a pretty game to watch, though. I just I, I look at it all of it. I'm glad I didn't watch that game. <laughs> 
there were moments where KT Smith, uh, who I do the NFL whip round with on Tuesdays, says he'll send me a text and say, I think the Steelers are setting offensive football back 75 years. I, that's exactly what it was. Again, until the fourth quarter, and Kenny Pickett hits George Pickens for a big touchdown. That was coming off of, uh, well, the seal of the win was an Alex Highsmith strip sack of Lamar Jackson, TJ Watt recovers. Like these guys are just, those two guys, it's like I said on my podcast after the game. Superheroes save the day, right? Like that's what they do. Superheroes save the day. And right now, Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt are the Steelers superheroes and they're saving the day more than they should have to. But the Steelers find a way to win. I don't want to spend too much time on this game. Any other thoughts or questions for me? I mean, the Steelers are in first place. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> this is a, this is a, I'm glad that my, my favorite team isn't in this division. <laughs> yeah, to watch yeah man. Three and two, three and two. Feeling it. Let's go to the next game. Another divisional game, not in the AFC North, the AFC South. The Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts. So the Tennessee Titans are coming off of a, a big win. The Colts, they get Anthony Richardson back. That's short-lived. I believe he left the game with a shoulder injury. But the Colts, who signed Jonathan Taylor to an extension prior to the game, they actually get a really great performance from another running back. Wesley, did you have to catch any of the highlights of this game? Yeah, Zach Moss running down the field by himself. Uh, I was like, oh, is this, is this pregame warm-up? He's just he's out there warming up. Um, yeah, Zach Moss, 165 yards rushing on only 23 attempts. And to be fair, just, yes, you mentioned Anthony Richards leaving. He left in the second quarter. Gardner Minshew was 11 for 14 in this game. I don't, I don't understand either one of these teams. I don't think... No. I've kept saying that I thought the Titans were going to end up winning this division just because at some point they're just going to show they're better than other teams. I, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, Derrick Henry only 13 carries 43 yards. I mean, it's a, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, this does not make me believe in the Colts. I just think the Titans are probably over and terrible. Well, it, this, does this game not scream that in the NFL right now, after week five, you have the front runners. So you have the teams are like elite and you know who those teams are. Yeah. You have the bottom feeders that are just god awful, terrible, like Denver. We'll get to them. And then you have all this crap in the middle. <laughs> oh, and it's a lot. It's the 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 number at the top of who's the good teams and the number at the bottom is smaller maybe than ever. Yes, I and agree. It's the the rather than the middle being 65 or 70 percent of the league it's like the middle is 90 percent of the league right now it's weird and anything can happen in the middle anything. so you see like the, these two teams like i i don't know what to think of these two teams no idea you talk about derrick henry and the titans you're thinking they're a running team they're a physical team yeah they have signs of that but then they have signs like, they show games really like, what is this like this isn't the titans and then you have the colts again anthony richardson's in he's out whatever gardner Minshew's uh leading the team they signed jonathan taylor but moss is running rampant on everybody i don't I, I don't even know how to wrap my brain around these these type of teams, but still the Colts do find a way to win and they improve their record. I think they are what is their record now, Wesley? And where do they stand? Three and they're, two. They're three and two. Three and the two. Titans are two and three. And I think they're they're right there with the Jaguars, aren't they, in that division for the division league? Yeah, they're, they're they're both they're both three and two. Um the actually yeah, Mike, the Colts might actually would be first because they have their two and one in the division versus one and one. But I don't know sure what the tiebreaker yeah. is way too early for that. It's the head-to-head. Head-to-head, I think, is first before everything else. So, all right. So, the Colts, yeah, that was a weird game. But then let's go to your game. I can't talk. Call, the, the shocker of all shockers is not that the Saints win 34 to nothing over the New England Patriots. It's that the New England Patriots don't even score a point. Like in the National Football League in 2023, to see a goose egg on the scoreboard in any game is unbelievably rare. Unbelievable. 
unbelievably rare that you don't even get in field goal range now where kickers can make 55 yarders relatively easy in some cases. This was a big win for the Saints, but I think this just screams about the New England Patriots and what in the hell is going on with Bill Belichick and that team. But let's talk about your Saints first. I know that's something you're excited to talk about. What was the big difference, man? They're coming off of uh, two straight losses, right? And then they finally get back on the winning side of things. Yeah, I mean, uh, the offense made a few adjustments as far as pre-snap motion and then um, getting into uh, play action, which we just haven't done. And it's the weirdest thing that you can go back um, 10 years ago and the Saints were revolutionary with motion and play action. We were number one in the NFL by, by miles, like just do using them way more than everybody else and almost everybody combined. Where we've stayed at that exact same amount, everybody else has changed, and now we are maybe last in the league most of the time as far as motion and play action. Um, and it just is letting defenders you know, kind of sit in their route and be comfortable. Well, um, we added a lot of play, play action and motion, um, and it resulted in people being open. Um, now, that's on the offensive side. Just We have, I think, as good of talent of playmakers as you can get when you're talking about uh, Derek Carr being a, a good quarterback, but Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, Kendra Miller's a high round draft pick. Michael Thomas, um, Rashid Shaheen, Chris Olave. We've got powerful offensive um, yeah. unit. I think our defense is is the best thing about our team um, when everybody's healthy and everybody's there. And so, I I I mean, and to be fair, New England didn't have like a missed field goal attempt. Like this was they really got shut out, which oh you just gosh. don't you just don't see in a. In they didn't the even kick a field goal. They didn't even attempt a field goal. No, no field goal attempts. Uh, 156 oh yards of total offense. So, I mean, for for New England. So, um, you know, um, it was it was fun. It was it was uh, not, not unexpected. Now, having said that, let's, I mean, and I can talk about the Saints all day. And please come and listen to me on the Dome Patrol podcast if you want to uh, hear about the Saints. New England's got a problem here. Um, yeah. So again, you talked about this this the state of this NFL. They lost 38 to 3 last week to the Cowboys. Yep. 34 to nothing this week. Um, there's never been back to back um, numbers like that. Um, I don't think ever <laughs> um, right. for a team. But just to be fair about Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick hasn't won a playoff game in five years. Um, so um, we'll see what's kind of going on. But I think that uh, there's going to be some changes there. Um, I think there's yeah. going to be some immediate changes with their um, quarterback, and I think there's going to be some coaching changes before we know it. On this show, I like to always try to figure out, like, what is the storyline after the game? Is it the Saints winning 30, putting up 34 points, showing, like, a little bit of a resurgence on offense, getting back on track? Or is it the New England Patriots getting skunked? Because this was in New England, wasn't it? Or it was. Sound in, no, it was, it was in, in Foxborough. Yeah. So you get skunked at home. And I think just, hey, I get you're a Saints guy, but this is about New England. Like, this is about the Patriots not being able to even attempt a field goal. And Bill Belichick, and we've talked about this on this show, about Rob and myself, and Rob has said he doesn't doubt Bill Belichick as a coach. He doubts him as a GM and his ability to actually bring in talent. I don't know. There's already been a lot of reports and rumors that Kraft is kind of, like, ready to move on from Bill Belichick, but Bill Belichick is not ready to move on. This could get ugly if this continues, don't you think? Oh, yeah, I think so, for sure. And, I mean, going into this game, we thought it was going to be the competition of the two worst offensive coordinators in the NFL with Pete Carmichael and Bill O'Brien. Um, no, Matt Pete Canada's Car not in that. You got to keep him. <laughs> hey, listen, I was happy he was fired from LSU. I have no idea how he ever got a job again. Um, so I, I, 
lots of questions there. Yeah, and and you know, as as Saints fans, we're we're used to the um the the national story being about the other team, not the yeah. Saints. So you know, go ahead, celebrate celebrate New England's uh, demise, and just hopefully the Saints will sneak up on a few teams. We've got a really easy schedule um, coming up the next few weeks, and that's what's kind of. I'll just last thing I'll say about the Saints is that the Saints. This is a step in the right direction after a terrible game last week against the Buccaneers, an embarrassing game. But over the next few weeks, the Saints play the Texans, the Jaguars, the Colts, the Bears, the Vikings, and the Falcons. That's all. Not, that's all not games a murder gonna, row. All games we're going to be favored in, except for maybe yeah. the Jaguars. That's going to be an interesting game. On a uh, Jaguars, I think, going to have a trouble. They're going to come back, play on Sunday, come back from London, play on Sunday, and then have a short game till Thursday. I'd much rather us go from Houston to New Orleans for a um, for a Thursday night game rather than what the Jaguars are having to go through. Derek Carr's shoulder looks to be okay. He 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 looked good. Um, he looked more. He actually moved better because you know, kind of when you have something hurt, like just maybe you're mm -hmm. not moving around as much. Um, he he moved around better, and his shoulder looked good. Arm looked good. All right, very good. Let's uh, stick with the NFC South, and it was the Houston Texans losing to the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons win 21 to 19. This was a strange game. Saw the highlights. You know, the Texans are coming off of their route of the Pittsburgh Steelers last week. The Falcons, they seem to not be able to get out of their own way, yet they find a way to win in this game. 21 to 19, Desmond Ritter finds a way to make enough plays, I guess. Uh, you know the Falcons well, considering it's an NFC South opponent. I'm sure you weren't not happy with this result. What is your What were your thoughts after watching some of the highlights of this game? Yeah, pretty pretty awful kind of ending the way Houston blew this game there, winning the entire thing and then uh, you know, b blowing it to the end. But uh, um, I, in the fourth quarter, they let they let uh, Atlanta. Um, I think I guess they just scored with two the two field goals at the end. But uh, you know, if you had thought this game was going to be won by Atlanta, you would have thought Bijan Robinson's getting all the love. Bijan Robinson did not have a great game, fourteen carries for forty six yards, by far the best performance of Desmond Ritter's career who yeah. for me is not a good quarterback he's not accurate enough he's not I don't think this is a turnaround for him this is an outlier um CJ Stroud continues to be a good quarterback and I think for let's not forget how bad Houston is and what situation they've been through the last few years with turning over their entire team roster organization almost um it's pretty impressive what's going on um with the way TJ CJ Stroud is playing um, and if I'm correct, CJ Stroud still doesn't have an interception in his NFL career. And was no. this maybe the record for it? He's, he's close to it. I'm setting yeah, the record. He's, for, thrown, he's thrown the ball a ton too. It's not like they're not 20 of 35. Ball. I mean, yeah. 35 passing attempts for, for a, a rookie behind, you know, um, he, he was getting some of his offensive linemen back, but he also has a couple still out. So this is, listen, this is one of those two teams that are in that middle, but they're towards the bottom of that middle. Um, regardless, and it, you know, it's fun that they played each other and they had what looked like a fun little competitive game. Both of these teams are not good. <laughs> they, yeah, the Falcons are a team that's just really tough to gauge. They, they, the way they want to win a game on offense is still the old school. Like we want to run it down your throat, and that's just not the NFL in 2023. But uh, I was hoping, I was thinking the Texans were going to actually, you know, keep the pedal down and start keep playing good football. They're coming off back to back wins, one over Jacksonville, one over Pittsburgh. They can find a way to win. That happens with young and inexperienced teams. Let's not forget first-year quarterback, first-year play caller, first-year head coach. Some of these mistakes and some of these blunders are going to happen. Nonetheless, the Falcons find a way to win, and they stay relevant in the NFC South for at least another week. So there you go.
and I will this next Sunday be in Houston for the juggernaut New Orleans Saints to come into town and uh, <laughs> keep their losing streak going. They win one game and now they're a juggernaut. Juggernaut. Right, that's great. <laughs> 34 to nothing. <laughs> let's uh, let's go to another game, which did involve another NFC South team. They were losing. Uh, and that's the Detroit Lions find a way to beat the Car- the lowly Carolina Panthers, 42 to 24. Talked about the teams at the bottom. You know, we talked about the elite. We talked about the teams at the bottom. The Carolina Panthers would definitely be one of those teams at the bottom as they are 0-5 now. But the Detroit Lions slowly, quietly remaining that one of those teams that could be considered in that top elite group at 4-1. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the Panthers? Are, they, they're bad. I'm not even going to talk about them too much. But the Lions, like this is what I'm trying to figure out. Like, Are the Lions a legitimate contender in the NFC? Or is this all smoke and mirrors? So, listen, they're four and one now, so you've got to start giving them some credit. And also, um, I'm going to say that they're going to win their division because the Vikings have just completely fell off the table. But I, I don't know if they're a contender in the NFC. Um, I, it's really hard for me to support a team that's believing in Jared Goff. And listen, he played a great game yesterday, um, and he's playing fine. Um, this game, the score got way out of hand. But if you go down and look at the stats of this game, they're almost identical. In fact, the Panthers had more first downs. The, the time of possession's really close. The Panthers had three turnovers. The Lions had zero. Um, end up being the difference. But like this game is super, super close. It's 342 total yards to 377 total yards. I mean, it's a very comparable game. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, uh, you got a young Panthers team that just um, this is this is what they've been doing. Is they they've had lots of turnovers. They I mean, Bryce Young's having some problems getting comfortable in the league for sure. Uh, yeah. You're asking him to throw the ball 41 times. You're not you're just not going to have success like that. Well, and they, they might be seeing CJ Stroud and saying, oh, Wargot can do that too. Well, maybe not. Like that's not, that's not a recipe for success for everyone. Um, and I can't say it's been a recipe for success for Houston either. Just because they won two straight games doesn't mean that all of a sudden that's the best thing to do for your rookie quarterback. But Detroit, I agree with you. I think Detroit at four and one, like, they're a team that's going to be a tough out. I don't think they're a team that is just going to fall on their face. I think Dan Campbell's going to have them prepared. I think Dan Campbell's a good coach. I think he's surrounded himself by really good people, smart people. And like you said, though, I don't, I don't buy into Jared Goff. I just don't think that he's that guy. I don't think he's that type of quarterback that's going to be able to say, you know what? Let's, I, I got you. I'm going to carry you, carry you guys. We're having a bad game. We're going to make the plays. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting, but. The Detroit Lions find a way to win 42 to 24 and they move on. Now here's a team. Let's go to the next game. One team is definitely in that elite category, in my opinion, that's the Miami Dolphins. The other team was a playoff team last year who I think that this year is in that really bottom tier bottom feeders. Like I think they're one of the worst teams in the league. And I just don't understand how you go from call it a fluke, whatever you say, you find a way to make the playoffs the next year. You completely fall apart, at least in the early portions of the season. You have the Miami Dolphins beating the New York Giants 31-16. to Miami is 4-1. and They rebound after the loss to Buffalo last week. And the New York Giants are 1-4. and If it weren't for an unbelievable comeback against the Arizona Cardinals, they would not have won a game yet. They would be 0-5. They're 1-4. and Let's, before we break down the, the numbers here, we talked about this earlier. What's the storyline here? Is it the Dolphins rebounding or is it the Giants just absolutely sucking? I mean, I think the storyline is that the Giants have a team built around the 
maybe the best running back in football being on their team and Saquon Barkley is injured and not playing. Yeah. Um, and I'm sorry, but you know, Eric Gray and Matt Breida aren't replacing Saquon Barkley. Um, and I think that's, that's, I mean, that's what it comes out. And I, don't get me wrong. Daniel Jones is not a good quarterback. Did not deserve the contract that he's, he's okay. Um, doesn't deserve that big time contract, but that's kind of what we have to do in the NFL now to keep quarterbacks. But this, this team's going to be terrible if Saquon Barkley isn't able to play. Um, and, Maybe it's a dumb idea to build your entire maybe it's a dumb idea to build your entire game plan around one player. Maybe it's even a dumber idea that one player is injured every single year. Um, <laughs> like this this maybe wasn't the the smart game plan, but they clearly were all in on their only way of being successful is Saquon Barkley playing and being the best running back in football. So um this game I would have thought would have been way worse to tell you the truth. Um, the 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 uh, Giants holding them to thirty one is kind of impressive. I I have to think that you know with the Giants, you know while you're like okay, yes they built the scheme around a guy that's constantly hurting Saquon Barkley. How bad are they kicking themselves with that Daniel Jones contract though? I mean th- this guy does not look even close to a franchise quarterback or someone that's earned like that's deserving of that money. Brian Dayball, everyone's now starting to question him and was his success last year a fluke in like a one-year thing. To me, the Dolphins, like you expect them to win this game. The Giants, like th- th- this is a, a storyline that's not getting enough. It's not getting enough talk, and that is how does this team completely fall apart when one guy is hurt? That tells me it is a bad system and it's a bad organizational plan if you're basing everything on one guy and that guy, like you said, is always hurt. Yeah, and there's there's an interesting thing with Dayball and like we just talked about the the Lions and Dan Campbell, they're those energy challenge you, I've got your back kind of guys. Dayball does it a little bit different. It's a little more the, the emotions a little more kind of whiny emotion, you know, than where Dan Campbell's challenge you and I'm here with you. Uh, you know, Brian Dayball, I don't know if has ever done an up down, so I'm not sure if uh, he's. <laughs> There's a little bit of difference in that inspiration, and the one that Brian Dayball uses may get older quicker, and it may have only gotten old in a year. Um, and I'll just say, hey, old Raiders uh, fans have to be kicking themselves watching the Dolphins because the Dolphins just built a team of like the fastest players they can possibly get, which yep. is what the Raiders always went for, and it never worked. And the Raiders are like, see, I told you this this system this, this system works. <laughs> it can do it. <laughs> Yeah, but you, when you get like a Darius Hayward Bay, you also need them to be able to catch the football. Like that's the only problem. No, that's that's the, other, the other part of that. Well, hey, the Dolphins, they traded for Chase Claypool. The curse of Claypool, we'll see if it works or not. Because he did I don't not think play in dre- this game. Exactly. So if he dresses They're next saying week, they're going to use him as a tight end. There's a lot of people coming. He came out of Notre Dame, thought that he could be a tight end. Yep. He has the, he has the body build for it. He's huge. He's just big, tall. He's a got a lot of mass to him he's just not good in like in those athletic moments where you need to high point a ball he doesn't catch the ball with his hands away from his body he's a body catcher i don't want to talk well, about chase claypool too much well three but. years ago the dolphins had maybe the best tight end in football with the numbers and mike gasecki and then decided yeah. that their system didn't need a tight end to catch the ball so they got rid of him and now they're bringing in somebody who well, isn't there, mike gasecki if they're looking for Claypool to be a really super, really, he is fast. He's a really yeah. fast, athletic, tight end type build. He's their guy. If they want him to block, not nope, blocking. That's not it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to an AFC North team that got back on track. The Cincinnati Bengals 
They find a way to beat the Arizona Cardinals 34 to 20. This was out in the desert. Cincinnati moves to two and three. They started to show signs of life. The offense started to wake up. Jamar Chase, an early touchdown. He ended up tacking on another one later in the game. The Cardinals just were outmatched in this game. They, they, they just really didn't. You know, Joshua Dobbs struggling. James Conner leaves the game with a knee, I believe. So uh, Bengals, this is what we all expected, right? We expected them to kind of bounce back. We didn't think this funk was going to last the entire season. They're two and three. They're becoming relevant once again. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, um, and to, to be fair, Jamar Chase did get three touchdowns. He had 190, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot 115 catches, 192 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this is what we expected from the Bengals. This is kind of what we expected from the Cardinals. Um, just uh, kind of all around, this is, it feels like things being the way that they should. Um, the uh, It's it funny, Burrow and Chase getting on the same page is important. Um, and we saw Jamar Chase last week said, you know, I'm always open. Um, and then he said some more words about how open he is. <laughs> um, and I guess Joe Burrow goes, all right, man, you're, you're open. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you. And so, um, I mean, this is, this is good to see. Let's take a step back and go, this was against the Cardinals. Um, let's see if the, um, Bengals can continue this, uh, next week against the Seahawks. And then they play the 49ers and bills. So they've got, to th- we're going to find out if this is a, a, a real, change for the Bengals over the next three weeks yeah i was just looking at the same schedule that you were and i was like man this this is does not get easier for the Bengals. the Bengals are that's a first place schedule so in the afc when you're playing those teams like it's that's a tough tough road and they're going to be facing it right now you got to win this game you got to win these games against arizona even though it's on the road even though the team hasn't been performing well coming off of that big loss to the tennessee titans last week you have to be able to find a way they do that 34 to 20 the Bengals win a game that was weird. I, I watched a good bit of this game. I had the uh, my YouTube TV had the four screens on the one, and I was watching a bunch of different games. Love that feature, by the way. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia Eagles and the LA Rams. The Philadelphia Eagles win twenty three to fourteen, but this game was was really close and highly contested for a while. Um, man, it, it, this is just one of those games where I look back and I'm like, okay, what's the takeaway? The Eagles are finding ways to win. They haven't lost a game. They're five and zero. The Rams are definitely tougher than everyone thought they were going to be. But I just when I watch Philadelphia, it doesn't look like well the team that we see we saw on Sunday Night Football, which we'll get to shortly. What do you think about this Eagles game? Yeah, I mean the it got pretty lopsided um, at the end as far as the the total yards go and all. And I mean the the Jalen Hurts rushes kind of end up being the the difference in the game, I believe. The Rams definitely are better than we thought, and I thought them getting Cooper Cup back was going to be a big deal for them. Um, this is two games this year. The Rams played the 49ers earlier this year, and the Rams, I thought, were the better team on the field. They deserved to win and made just a couple of mistakes, um, and, and the 49ers made a couple of big plays, and there was a couple of weird re- yeah. call, referee calls that changed that game. This, again, at any point, I kind of thought, the Rams were just going to get it together for a drive, and we're going to take the lead in this game and, and kind of put it away. Um, I'm not saying they look like the better team because their offense just couldn't be consistent. But uh, I don't know. Like this, this is a weird game. Um, yeah. it, it makes you step back and say the the five and zero Eagles are not necessarily the cream of the crop in the the NFC. Um, right. There's there's there is a team better. Yeah. Um, and and it just uh, it it shows the Rams have some potential, but they're in a division with the 49ers, and so I don't know what they what what a uh, route they have either. 
Well, let's not forget last week, Philadelphia had to, got taken to overtime by Washington. They give up yep. that score late in the game. And, you know, some people said that Riverboat Ron should have gone for it and that to win. And while he had him on their heels and then they go out, it's a tough road game. They're going all cross country, but still everyone's kind of saying like, if you follow the Eagles fan base, they're like, well, you know, they got new coordinators. It's going to take some time. Yeah. Okay. I get it. But at what point is it? Is it time? Like, at what point is it time to start looking like an actual Super Bowl contending team? I just haven't seen it yet from them this year. But if you're going to win and you're able to win ugly and you fix those things as you go, I, I think that's that's a good recipe. Uh, the Rams, they're going to be a tough team to follow in terms of you know what's coming up. I look at the Eagles' schedule; it's it's going to be interesting. Jets next week, Dolphins week after, Commanders, and then Cowboys, and then the Chiefs. And then the Bills, and then the 49ers. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yep. The, the first place schedule. Oh, I keep the, the first place schedule this year is tough. Oh my gosh. If, well, they're going to get tested really quick, man. Well, I don't know. And I'll just harken back to week one. The, the Eagles beat the Patriots, who got shot out yesterday by the Durham Saints. They oh. beat them by five, and the Patriots had the ball with a minute and a half left at the Eagles 20 to, to potentially take a lead. And of course, the Patriots didn't, didn't get that. But the Eagles have had some close games. Like you said, they went to overtime with Washington and there's a few things going on. So I, again, five and zero is better than a, a different record, yeah. but not sure if they're going to stay that way. This is two years in a row. The Eagles have been five and zero, by the way, which is pretty impressive. That is pretty impressive. That, and with all the players they've lost, they did lose a lot of players. They, they added some talent, man, some of their younger, well, they basically have the Georgia defense. So <laughs> it's pretty good. All right, let's uh, leave that game and let's go to another. This game was just dreadful. Like the, you want to you want to watch a game that's just painful to watch. It's the Jets and Broncos battling it out, thirty-one to twenty-one. The Jets win. The Denver Broncos and Sean Payton just continue to struggle. The latest loss moves their record to one and four. I, I have this inkling that we're going to see Russell Wilson get benched shortly, and the New York Jets find a way. They're two and three. They kind of remain relevant. I think that that's big for them if they're trying to uh, obtain a quarterback. Or if they're trying to sign someone, whether it's a Cam Newton type person, I don't know. This game, like I said, was for me was really difficult to watch. It was just not good football, but still the Jets find a way. The story for me is though, Denver. Denver cannot, I, I they can't do anything. Yeah, uh, this game probably already got more coverage than it deserves, but 13 pen, <laughs> 13 penalties and five turnovers. Um, I, I think everybody, the only people that watch this game were watching, waiting to see if there was going to be a handshake at the end. Um, and oh, yeah. <laughs> that disappointed. Um, I'll just say this Russell Wilson, who did get all the publicity last year for falling off a cliff and playing terrible, did not play terrible in this game. He was 20 of 31. He also had seven carries for 49 yards. Um, Russell Wilson, um, was, was an okay player in this game. Um, this is two really bad teams, maybe the two worst teams in, in football. Um, the Jets without, yeah, um, they, they've got, they've got some passion on their defensive side, but without Aaron Rodgers, they've, they've got tr trouble. Yeah. But you still find a way to put up 31. And like I said, the, the story to me is, you know, Sean Payton's supposed to come in and kind of be that magic elixir for the for the Broncos and to get them back on track. And he's bad-mouthing the previous regime and all this stuff. You know what? It, it, it goes to show you that even a great coach, because I think Sean Payton is a great coach, you, you can't, you know, what is it? You can't make uh you can't put lipstick on a pig essentially yeah. and then say it's pretty. So for me, I think, he, I think he's fine with this going on because this allows him to trade every single player, cut every single player, 
do whatever he wants in the draft and say like, okay, well, I tried to do it with y'all's players. Now let me get, but this gives him an extra couple of years. Not, not that he was going to get fired anyway, but this uh, Sean Payton's a control freak. He wants to make all the decisions and build everything from the, from the ground up. This, I think he's just fine with this. You would know, like you said, we spent too much time on this game anyway. So let's move on. The, the chiefs find a way to keep winning. 27 to 20 over the Minnesota Vikings. This game was actually a back. Hey, I thought there was, there was more defense in this game than I thought. Justin Jefferson left this game with a hamstring injury. Not sure the severity, but Minnesota is already in trouble at one and four. You know, you talk about the NFC North, the Detroit Lions lead that division at four and one. They're kind of running away with it. If Minnesota is going to make a comeback, which I believe you predicted last week on the big picture, they got to start getting it right. I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. Meanwhile, Travis Kelsey left this game with an ankle injury, but he was, I think he was able to return. The yep. Chiefs moved to four and one, and they look to be as good as ever. But the Vikings, you know, you look at their schedule coming up. They have a date with the 49ers in two weeks, but they have the Bears next week, then the Packers, Falcons, your Saints, Broncos. It does e- it does get easier for the Vikings. I want to look at the Chiefs here and see what they have coming up. They've got the Broncos, Chargers. That'll be a good one. Broncos again. Dolphins in an international game, Eagles, Raiders. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think about this game? Um, I mean, I think the Vikings are still bad. Um, and if Jordan Jefferson looks like he's going to miss some time uh, with a possible hamstring injury, um, the, the Vikings maybe tie this game up if Jordan Jefferson is, is playing in the fourth quarter. Um, but the Chiefs, I mean, this wasn't the Vikings are a bad team and the Chiefs barely beating them and keeping this close. Um, it doesn't isn't a great look for the Chiefs and the, their their chances of uh, going back to the Super Bowl this year. If you just they had ten um, receivers who caught the ball, which is impressive to move it around that much, but all of them not named Travis Kelsey are interesting people to be in the NFL, much less you know keeping your receiving core going. So uh, if if he, and he like you said, he came back in the game. Um, and uh, actually played defense on the last play of the game when it was, was going to be a Hail Mary. Um, it'll be interesting. It's an ankle injury. So sometimes you finish the game, and then over the next couple of days, you have ankle yeah. problems. If they don't have Travis Kelsey, the, this this Chiefs team's going to struggle. They've got uh, a, a ton of problems. Even in the short stint where he was off, so he had to go to get x-rays and stuff like that, even when he wasn't in there, man, it, it just looked really it looked really bad. It looked really, really maybe bad is not the right word. It looked very mundane, very yep. average. Yep. You, you have a great quarterback, but you have no one to throw to. So yep. the Chiefs win, but I think everyone was looking at this Sunday night game. The Sunday night game, Cowboys, 49ers, talked about this at the very beginning of the show. Rob Statsker was in attendance, his very first NFL game ever. I couldn't believe it. And his very first 49ers game, obviously. This game... While the final score is 42 to 10, the 49ers get the opening kickoff, go down, score a touchdown. And then it goes to this defensive grudge match back and forth, back and forth. And then it's almost as if Kyle Shannon's like, you know what? Screw it. Let's open up the playbook. George Kittle. I think he ends up with three touchdowns on the game and they end up just routing the Dallas Cowboys and the Cowboys. They, they couldn't do anything on offense. They couldn't move the ball on offense. And Dak Prescott just, stymied what were your thoughts on this big time nfc game yeah the the cowboys have 49 plays for 197 total yards that's that's bad and this is means what's this was going into whoever came out of this was the 
even with the Eagles, maybe who would have a better record than the Cowboys right now, if the Cowboys won this, they were supposed to be the best team in, in the yeah. NFC. Um, Dak, those three interceptions, um, finally, he's been getting this bad rap from Cowboys fans about throwing interceptions, and he finally, like, it's like they manifested it into um, <laughs> into reality because it actually happened this week. Um, this game could have been 100 to 0, not 42 to 10. This was the, the 49ers were by far the best team on the field. Um, and I think that this also, I went out of this game going, the 49ers are by themselves. I don't even know if the Dolphins are up there. Like the, the 49ers are by themselves right now after week five as the best team in the NFL. In my opinion, you met, you brought up a team that I would say is a team that could potentially give them the 49ers fits. And that's based on the fact that if you're going to, if you're going to beat the 49ers, I think you got to boat race them. You've got to just be able to say, look, I don't care. We're going to, we're going to score quick. We're going to try and attack. You know, that you got to have that type of approach because the 49ers can kill you in so many different ways. They can just bludgeon you to death with the running game and Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, but they also have the quick strike ability with Brandon Ayuk. And then you saw George Kittle finally, finally wake up again. I don't know. It's crazy. It's it's hard for me to, like George Kittle's fell off a cliff the last couple of years. It's really hard for me to believe that this is a, a statement comeback game for him. I think it was a great game for him, but to, to think he's going to continue this would is tough for me to believe in. And, and the, my, my thing has been with the 49ers is listen, we had Christian McCaffrey in our division uh, playing for the Panthers so many years, and it was always with him. Okay, we'll just wait it out until he gets hurt. And yeah. then the team's terrible again. Um, and, and that's kind of how it went. And he, Listen, he's taken some hard hits this year. He's continued to be okay. It's it's just difficult to understand or believe that Christian McCaffrey is going to stay healthy. Um, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk have both dealt with injuries their entire career, and I just uh, I think their defense is incredible. But if they miss Christian McCaffrey, their offense is going to take a huge step back, and they're going to be winning some nine to three games. Is that the only way? Is that the only thing that you? could see derailing the 49ers is injury at this point. I mean, Brock Purdy can always come back down to life. We have seen um, really talented, exciting quarterbacks be good for a year, year and a half, two years, uh, Robert Griffin, the third, and <laughs> then just completely like, where did that yeah. guy go? Somebody, we finally figured them out. There, there's things that Brock Purdy does good. Brock Purdy benefits. And I've always said, this was the, the, I think Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback, but he's benefited when he had guys that were wide open down the field, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. It made him look really good and relax. Brock Purdy's throwing to guys that are pretty wide open. He's not a, yeah. he's not throwing in the tight windows. He's um, throwing the ball really quick in his West Coast offense. You put him in a situation where he's having to throw to people that are covered, and I think he's going to struggle mightily. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens here with the 49ers team uh, and in, in that NFC, which is, very top heavy, but those top teams are, are are very competitive. It's going to be fun to watch. Wesley, real quick, what was your recap of the Sunday's games, just in general? Man, uh, I mean, the, obviously the big game on the slate was the uh, the Forty Nine ers Cowboys. We just talked about. Um, think that they're they're by themselves. It's uh, interesting. The Eagles, they're five and zero, but I'm not sure if they're pretenders. And then um, I think there's like you like we talked about. There's a whole bunch of just crap in the middle, and we have no idea. This is a long season. We got 12 more weeks of the season, or 13 more weeks, 12 more games. Yeah. Um, and all this could change. Like one injury, one team getting hot, figuring it out. Um, all this could turn on its head over the next uh, you know few months. So uh, it's it's interesting right now. The 49ers kind of sit alone for me is just like 
somebody's going to have to uh, take them out or they're going to have to have a, uh, an injury for, for them to be derailed. This is just what the NFL wants. They want this to be a week-to-week league. They want the, you don't know what's going to happen, so you got to tune in. That's exactly what they want, and that's exactly what they're getting. You just don't know. You have the the, the crap in the middle, like we said. It's definitely going to be interesting. But, Wesley, thank you so much for filling in. I do appreciate it. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media as well as your work with the Don't Patrol podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. This was fun. Um, I'm on the Dome Patrol podcast covering the Saints. Um, you can find us on Twitter at, at Dome Patrol PCAST, or you can find me on Twitter at, at HoodatWesley13. Yep, and you can find my work at Steel Curtain Network covering the Pittsburgh Steelers. You can find me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. I will be back tomorrow for an NFL whip round with Coach K.T. Smith talking about all the storylines from the week that was. Make sure you check it out. Make sure you find us wherever you get your podcasts on the Fans First Sports Network NFL feed by searching FFS and NFL. Until next week, take it easy, everyone. We'll see you.